Hello. How are y'all? Doing good. Wonderful. Yes. I'm also awesome, Demonier. Thank you. Energy. Okay. Uh, so, right, we're making progress. We're making a ton of progress. We are in John 18. We're going to finish John 18 tonight. Then we will do, you know, John 19 next week. At least half of it. And then we're just going to slide right through to John 21 and be done here in like four weeks. So uh, this is a big for me. Uh, this is a big deal. I don't know if it's a big deal for y'all. I'm, I'm, I love John, but I'm ready to be done with the Gospel of John. This has been two years. So uh, this is going to be sweet. Four weeks away. Uh, so. Woo. Yeah. Exhale. That's good. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be in John 18. We'll be in verse 28. Uh, should be on the screen, but if you want to, you can look in your Bible. That's, that's cool, too. So, uh, if you've noticed, if you've been here quite a bit as we've worked through John, uh, I tend to bring up some themes over and over again. Uh, I'll pull us out big picture and sort of bring us back in uh, to see what Jesus is talking about, what's He teaching, and then pull out big picture and look at, like, why did God create the world in, in the way that John's portraying it? Um, so tonight, I think it really is important as we start talking about the kingdom of God, we need to pull back again. I'm going to highlight some stuff we talked about in John 14. Uh, so if you remember John 14, which I'm sure that you do remember everything it says in John 14, we talked about this idea uh, that the purpose for humanity in the beginning, the purpose for humanity, the reason why God, who is spirit, who has perfect community and love within himself, exists as the Trinity, needs nothing, is not bettered by anything. Why this being who is this way would begin to create, and specifically create beings that are not like him. He creates beings that are physical. Uh, so him being spirit, he begins to create the physical realm. That's basically what we get in the beginning. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, right, so God who is spirit, who is not physical, and who needs nothing, uh, who uh, is not bettered by creating, begins to create, and he creates the physical realm. And so we talked about this idea uh, that the original purpose of man, we see it at the, at, the, at the end of Genesis 1, where God says, after he's created everything, and he's talking about how good everything is, he's created the physical realm, so he creates, you know, separates the land from the sky, separates the waters from the land and then he fills the sky and then he fills the waters and then he fills the land and when he's done filling the land he then creates mankind and we get something different happening when he creates mankind mankind is created image in the image of God and he sort of closes that section with this little poetic sort of phrasing where he says male and female created them in my image in my image I created them and I created them male and female in my image and so he says this male and female thing a couple times and he says in my image he says that three times so he's really just hammering in for those of us who are dense like this is the point uh, I created men in my image and then we need to unpack all that that means and I'm not going to do that uh, it means a lot uh, and then right after that section, he says, now go, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Uh, so we get what's called the cultural mandate there. 
where God says, I created you in my image. I created you different than I created everything else in the physical realm. Uh, And I would highlight one thing there. Man is different than everything else in the physical realm in that man is both spirit and physical, whereas everything else in the physical realm is physical. Uh, So this is why men are given the cultural mandate that they might fill the earth and subdue it. And so what he's saying is God who is spirit creates the physical realm and then he puts a vice region in between the spirit and the physical and he says, take my way of doing things, take my character, take my image, spread my glory through all the earth, spread my sovereignty through all the earth, spread the way that I would do things across the earth. So that the reason life on the earth now isn't the way it ought to be and we look at God and cry out and look at corruption uh, in countries where the government takes advantage of the poor and in countries where the government takes uh, the resources of the poor and drives them deeper into poverty uh, and actually begins sometimes to even kill their own people. And we look at that and we cry out and we say, God, where are you? Why don't you fix this? And his answer is us. Is I, his answer to us is I put you as vice regents over the earth so that you would take the way that I do things and you would administer my sovereignty to the physical realm. You would administer my sovereignty to the physical realm. So that the will of God is not done on the earth the way that it's done in the heavens because of men. The kingdom of God is not on the earth the way that it's in the heavens because of men. That's why Jesus, when he teaches his disciples to pray, he says, uh, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Presupposing that it's not done on earth the way that it's done in heaven. Originally, the case was humanity take the kingdom of God to the earth, the way of the kingdom of God to the earth. Be the vice regents who are both spiritual and physical and rule the earth in the way that God would rule the earth in right relationship with him. And we put a little phrase to that idea. We said humans exist, humans exist to be alive with God and to cultivate life wherever they go. So that humans originally exist. Be alive with God. Cultivate life wherever you go. Very simple. So let's get away from religion. Let's get away from sacrifices. Let's get away from everything you think you need to do to make God happy with you. And let's fall in line with the way that John talks about the existence of humanity. The existence of humanity is be alive. And when I mean, and I've said this a thousand times, when we say be alive, I mean be alive. Don't just exist and don't just survive. Be alive. Do not be in captivity. And, and again, this is impossible to do outside of the work of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God and the work of Jesus. He wants us to not be slaves to our insecurities, slaves to the guilt and the shame of the past, slaves to our fears about the future, slaves to the way that we have been hurt, slaves to the way that we have hurt other people. He doesn't want to be slaves to, to that which is to be free and alive in Him. And in being alive in Him, we cultivate life. So we receive life. We understand what it is to be in right relationship with our God. And then we cultivate life. Very simple way that John talks. Very easy way of understanding. uh, Really quite beautiful way of living. Uh, And so wrapped up in this idea is that everything in the physical realm, everything in the physical realm is something that God put there so that we might partake in the physical realm and worship and receive love from God. 
that the physical realm is a good thing that points us to God and that we know that we receive love from Him. So the, the best way that I understand this is, um, is I really like to cook and I love corn. Like I love corn. Um, and so if you come over to my house in the spring or summertime, probably, and, and we've talked about like I'm going to cook, probably what's going to happen is I'm going to get ears of corn, I'm going to soak them in water, and I'm going to put them on the grill, and then I'm just going to perfectly grill them to where they're just like just perfect where the, the corn uh, has got like just a little bit of black char on it from, from burning through the husk. You know, it's like just, just perfectly. I'm not going to wrap it in foil. That's not right. Uh, you soak the husk so it doesn't burn, and then you put it right on the grill, right? And then so the corn just looks perfect. And then I'm going to take that corn, and you may think this is crazy, but I'm right, and you're wrong. I'm going to, I'm going to cut it off of the husk. I'm going to cut it off of the cob. I'm going to put it in a big pot, and then I'm going to add heavy cream to that, and I'm going to let that cook for like an hour. And I'm going to add paprika and some spices, make it just a little hot, just a little hot, uh, and then add a little more of that heavy cream until it boils down, and it's really, uh, it's really, it's, it's, the corn doesn't break down, so it's not mushy, but it's just got this nice cream in there, thick. Uh, and then right before I pull it off, I'm going to mix mayonnaise. All right, I'm wrong, and you're right. I'm going to mix mayonnaise in there. It's that helotes. It's delicious. Uh, I'm going to mix a little mayonnaise in there, just a little, and put it in the oven for like just a second. Uh, and I'm going to sprinkle a little paprika across the top, and then put some goat cheese, right? I'm sorry, you're wrong, I'm right. And if you ever come over, I, I, this is what I'm going to do. And just a little bit of goat cheese. Not a lot because goat cheese is strong, but you just want a little, just a little touch. Right? And, and then I'm going to serve this to you, and you'll eat it, and you'll look me in the eye, and you'll say, Terrell, you love me. And I'll say, that's correct. I made this for you. Not so that you might enjoy the corn, which I hope you do, but so that you might know that I love you. So I cook for my wife. My wife doesn't like to cook that much. I love to cook. So I cook, and I don't just cook so that she eats. I cook so that when she eats, she might partake in the love that I have for her. That's why I put love into, in, into the food. I put it in there, like straight up. And then you eat it, and you are like, wow. You love me. And I'm like, yes. So I made that. So this is, this is the way that I understand God to work. He creates the physical realm so that as we partake in the physical realm, we don't just partake of it for our own good. We partake of it so that we might look at God and say, yeah, you are good and you love me. That all of the physical realm exists so that we partake in the sacred love of God through his creation. I eat a peach, like we've talked about this before. Peaches are not actually in John. You'd think they are the way we talk about peaches. Uh, but you would take a peach off a tree and you would eat it. And you would be like, my God, you made a tree that turns cow manure into peaches? You're crazy, man. And this is so tasty. And you love us. So that the physical realm exists as a means of understanding God, knowing God, and partaking in sacred love with God. And that all of this, you see what I mean by being alive with God? I don't just mean like we survive. 
that we exist within the physical realm as it draws us into sacred love with God. And not just sacred love where we know that He loves us, but we grow in our understanding of the way that He is and the way that He functions. And as we grow in that understanding, we come alive and we begin to cultivate life. So this is the basic idea of Genesis 1, the closing statement of Genesis 1. The role of humanity in right relationship with the Creator and then administering the sovereignty of God everywhere they go. What happens when we, in Genesis 3, take from the tree, there's only one tree, there's only one part of the physical realm in the Garden of Eden by which we do not partake in sacred love. It's the, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is Genesis 3, where man takes from the tree, the only tree in the garden that does not return love back to God, that does not make me in this cycle of sacred love and worship. I partake from this one tree and I eat of it. And I would say I, Adam and Eve, eat of it, but they don't eat of it to partake in this cycle. They eat of it for themselves. They eat of it just for me. I want this because it's good for food and it will make me like God. So the one tree in the garden that doesn't have this sort of cycle playing out, and this is why God says, do not eat from this tree lest you die. So we eat from this tree and we begin to die. And we don't just die, but we also spread death. And that plays out for the next uh, Genesis 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. Culminating in the Tower of Babel, right? So we don't just begin to die, but that we become unable to cultivate life. And what we see really quickly in Genesis is Genesis chapter 4, Cain kills Abel. Genesis chapter 5, the lineage of Cain, where this guy kills people for no reason. Uh, then we get Genesis 6 and this beautiful story of Noah and God destroying the entire planet. Uh, and so you see like everything goes downhill really fast because what God is saying is when you're not alive with me, you cannot cultivate life. When you are not alive with me, you cannot bring the kingdom of God where you go. When you're not alive with me, you cannot bring the will of God wherever you go. And when you don't bring the will of God wherever you go, you bring your will wherever you go. And you bring your will wherever you go, you bring death along with it. And it's destructive. That's why Romans 8 talks about the earth groans because we as humans do not care for the earth. We do not care for creation. We care for ourselves and we use creation for us and we don't use it to return back worship and sacred love to God. We use it and we suck it dry. And so that political systems are all built around corruption and political systems are all built around humans utilizing power to get what they want. Okay, so... We've got the unfolding of humanity. If you read history, all you're going to see in history is warfare, people fighting over land, people fighting over power until someone gets strong enough that they can subdue people until they just make everybody angry and they get overthrown. And it's just a cycle playing out over and over and over and over again. Uh, okay, so, so we've seen through the course of Scripture that no amount of moralism or good teaching can cure what's really at the core of mankind, which is their inability to be alive with God and to cultivate life. So me telling you, hey, be a good person and stop cussing and don't sleep with your girlfriend uh, is not going to cure humanity. Something stronger than that's got to be able to cure humanity. Uh, so then we get uh, in the Gospel of John, Jesus entering in. Uh, Jesus entering in and talking about, hey, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And... Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and Jesus is God. And so this character enters the scene who begins to talk as if he can fix the problem. 
as if he can bring the kingdom of God where no human on earth could have done it before. So uh, that's been sort of unpacked over the last 17 chapters, 17 and a half chapters. Uh, so basically recap where we've been over the last week. Uh, Jesus gave his last teaching last week, and then he prayed his last prayer for his disciples, and now he's moving towards the cross. So the last thing we looked at is he finished his last prayer for his disciples. Uh, he goes to a garden, and in that garden, Judas Iscariot, the traitor, right? Judas the traitor comes with uh, a band of, of soldiers from the high priests. Uh, they go to, to get Jesus and to bring him to be crucified. Uh, before they can take him, Peter gets a little crazy and chops off somebody's ear. And then Jesus is like, chill out, Peter. You're, you're way off base, right? And then we get the whole unfolding of Peter denying Jesus three times, just like Jesus told him that he would. And we see Peter just being crushed. Um, and then we saw last week Jesus gets interrogated in the middle of the night by the Jewish leaders. Uh, by two Jewish leaders, Annas and Caiaphas. And then they turn him over to the Romans. So this is where we're going to jump in, the Romans. Okay, uh, I'm going to be stopping maybe every three verses and unpack just all of the irony that is in these texts. John is being a sort of funny, sort of hilarious. Uh, and you might not catch it. Okay. Uh, we'll be in verse 28. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. Uh, this is hilarious. You just don't see it. The Passover is a ritual in the Jewish culture to commemorate a time when God delivered the Jewish people from the Egyptians. And he did that by sacrificing, or they did that by taking a spotless lamb, sacrificing and taking its blood and putting it over their houses as a covering. So they were given the ordinance to celebrate that event by taking a spotless lamb and sacrificing it and eating it. So the night that all this is going on, there are lambs, spotless lambs being sacrificed all over the city and they're bringing Jesus to his sacrifice, and we saw early in John that John calls Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So while all these people are doing a commemoration of killing a lamb, they're actually bringing the Lamb of God, and the Passover is really just a picture pointing the Jews to the fact that Jesus was going to do all these things. They're bringing Jesus, and then they won't step foot into the governor's house. They won't step foot into the house of a Roman, into a Gentile, someone who's not a Jew. They won't step into his house because that believe that defiles them, and if they defi they're defiled, they can't partake in the little ritual. Ritual. They don't think that bringing an innocent man to be crucified for no reason is in any way defiling to them. And so they've trumped up charges and they've been having interrogations in the middle of the night, which is against the law, but that's fine with them. And now they're bringing this man to be crucified who has no charges against him. Uh, and none of that defiles them, but what will defile them is stepping into a, a, a Roman's house. It's absurd. Uh, so, so Pilate went outside and said to them, what accusation do you bring against this man? And <laughs> this is funny. They answered him. If this man uh, weren't doing evil, well, we wouldn't brought him to you. So what'd he do? Well, you know, if he wasn't doing anything wrong, we wouldn't have brought him here. 
So it's like, what's he, what's he doing? Look, Pilate, we wouldn't have brought him here. He wasn't doing something wrong. Okay, well, explain who it is, what, what exactly that he's doing. Look, he's obviously doing something wrong. Because if he wasn't doing something wrong, we wouldn't be here with him, right? So they like, okay, they're just being shady. Oh, let me get to the bottom why they're being shady. They're being shady because they can't kill anybody. They are under the, the, the Roman rule. And one of the rules that the Romans put on the Jews is you can't execute capital punishment. You can't kill people. You can't just decide to kill people. Sorry, Jews. If you want to execute capital punishment, if you want to execute somebody, the, the Romans have got to do it. We are the ones who do capital punishment and you don't. The problem is, is the Jews want to, they want to execute Jesus. They can't do that. They need a Roman to do it. The problem with the Romans is they don't execute people for Jewish religious laws. So they're saying Jesus is talking about being the Son of God and he's making himself a king. Well, well honestly, uh, Pilate does not care about that. He's not Jewish and he doesn't care that Jewish law is being broken. He doesn't care about Jewish religious laws. So they're sort of in a tight spot. So they don't really know what to say here. So they're just basically like, uh, he's obviously doing something wrong. We're here with him, right? Okay, uh, so what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, Hey, if this man was not doing evil, we wouldn't have delivered him over to you. And Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. And the Jews said to him, Well, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. Right? They can't put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. He's been telling his followers he's going to die for a long time. And he keeps talking about himself going to die in a way that's not the way that Jews kill people. If the Jews were going to kill somebody, they were going to get a circle around them and throw rocks at them. It's a really great way to go out. Um, so he, he said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. Okay. Um, so Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? So they have to bring this charge up. They can't talk about him being the son of God because Pilate doesn't care about that. What does Pilate care about? Well, Pilate cares about people starting rebellions and calling themselves king because the only king is Caesar. So they've made this charge. Well, he's going around calling himself a king, which he hadn't done. Uh, so Pilate enters headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? So we got this really weird dialogue going down between Pilate and Jesus where Pilate needs to figure out, do I need to put this man to death? Because the only thing that Pilate is worried about is making sure that a rebellion does not erupt in the Middle East. Because if a, if a rebellion erupts in the Middle East, then the passage of corn from Egypt 
to Rome gets cut off uh, and Rome gets angry at Pilate and will not allow him to move up in the political scale. So all Pilate really cares about is can we make sure that these people don't go crazy and kill each other. Uh, so when the chief priests come to him in the middle of the night on one of their Holy Week festivals and they're like, we want to put this guy to death, he's like, oh, crap. We do not want to have anything blow up here. So are you a king? Yeah, my kingdom's not of this world. Now what the heck is he talking about? His kingdom is not of this world. And then he says something really weird. He says something really weird. So Pilate says, so you are a king then. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Because if that's what I'm hearing you say, then that's cool. We can crucify you. And he's saying, yeah, for this purpose I came into the world. And then the expectation is that he's going to say, for this purpose I came into the world so that I can die and bring in a new kingdom. That's not what he says. He says, the purpose I came into this world is to bear witness about the truth. Came to bear witness about the truth, and everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. They listen to me. Uh, what he's tying back to, what I really think that he's tying back to, uh, is the, 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 the method of the rebellion of mankind to begin with. When mankind fell out of this vice-regent role, this authoritative steward role, to be the recipient of the will of God who administers the will of God, we did so not because we were inherently evil. We did so because we believed a lie told to us by a snake. Uh, so we believed a lie we believed a lie about the nature of what God had said to us. And so in believing this lie, we partake into the tree that does not result in that cycle of sacred love. And we do it all for ourselves. And as we do it all for ourselves, the underlying thing is we want to ascend to the place where God is. So, so the snake said, if, if you eat from this tree, you're not going to die. What's actually going to happen is you're going to become like God. And that's when Eve says, sweet, let me have a bit of that tree. She takes from the tree and she eats. So there's no inherent evil. She believed a lie. And so what we see unfolding in the history of humanity is not uh, anything other than the, re the method of our enslavement to corruption and the method of our enslavement to a meaningless existence and the method of our enslavement to bring us to death is that we believe lies. The only uh, weapon that the, if we say the enemy, the only weapon that the spiritual forces of darkness have against us are lies. That's all. They cannot do anything other than lie to us. And what we're going to see from Ephesians 2 that's really quite beautiful and really quite explanatory is that the reason that humans are dying is because we listen to the voice of the prince of the power of the air. We listen to the voice of the world and we do that to gratify the desires of our flesh. And so we become children of wrath. So the enemy lies to Eve in the garden has continued to do that ever since and their life slipped into meaninglessness and death and so has every human ever since. We listen to the lies of the world and we listen to the lies of the enemy and we do so to gratify the desires of our flesh. And the desires of our flesh are to feed our flesh and to take the place of God in every single way. And the desires of our flesh are leading us into corruption and into death. And like I said, no moralism and no teaching can fix that problem. And that's why he's saying, I come to bear witness about the truth. I'm coming to bring light into darkness. I'm coming to bring truth where there are lies and where the lies are destroying humanity. 
the lies are destroying the method by which God wants to bring his glory to the ends of the earth. The way that God brings his glory to the ends of the earth will be through humanity, fulfilling what humanity was always meant to do, to bring the sovereign will and way of the kingdom of God. And Jesus comes to say, yes, let's make that happen again. Let's restore humanity's place. I can do that. Uh, and we're going to unpack really fully over the next couple weeks how that happens, but there's one thing I want to really zero in on really quick. After he said these things, after he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. So do y'all know the story? Y'all have seen enough Christmas pageants? Right, yeah. This big crazy burly guy who's Barabbas and Jesus who's like very meek and the crazy Jews are like, we want Barabbas, we want Barabbas. I remember watching that, like when I was a kid, watching that, and just being overcome with the injustice of that. I mean, even when I was young, we, did, we, had, a, we had a crazy Christmas pageant at our church. It was crazy. We had a black box, like over here, that was built up with mattresses and a flamethrower. Uh, no, I'm serious. And, and then and Act 3, after the whole thing with Jesus... There would be people from earlier in the Christmas pageant. So, you know, like they have the Christmas pageant. It's like, um, like they're singing the Christmas songs and they have a little guy with his family and they're eating at Christmas. And there's just a little play about people at Christmas time. Well, then in Act 3, after the story of Jesus, they would take the people from Act 1 and they would judge them. So there was angels. They had the stairway. And there would be stuff like... The little lady who went to church her whole life but was really never a Christian, you know, she just did it to, to like make God like her. And, and they would open the book and they'd be like, depart from me, I never knew you. And I was actually a demon in this and so I was dressed in black. <laughs> I'm not joking. And I would run and grab her and then bring her to the black box while she's screaming and being like, and then the, black, the doors would fly open. My dad was actually in the black box. And he would kick the doors open with his feet. And we would throw the person in there. And then flames would shoot up. <laughs> right? It's intense, right? I don't know. Maybe he told you too much of the Christmas pageant story. Anyway. <laughs> way too much of the Christmas pageant. Yeah, it's intense, bro. Okay. So... I remember being in Act 2, watching this thing unfold and seeing the life of Jesus being born and then going to the cross. And then that place where they, where Pilate comes out and he washes his hands, you know, ceremonially washes his hands. He's like, I find no guilt in him, but I don't want to start a riot in the streets and I don't want to have all you Jewish people crazy at me. Uh, so what I will do is I'm supposed to release some, somebody to you at Passover. Do you want this man or do you want the crazy burly Barabbas? And the Jews are like, we want Barabbas. And I remember being a little kid and being like, this is unjust. I, I don't say those words, but I just felt like in me, this 
turning, this not, like, this is wrong. This is wrong that this happened. It didn't really make me hate Jewish people. I don't want to go there. But it did make me, like, look at that. I'm like, how could those people do that? How could, how, and I don't think I fully knew this at, this at the time, but what you're seeing is the corruption of the religious leaders in Jerusalem meet the corruption of the Roman political leaders who really only want to execute their own ends and they don't care about justice to the degree that you have a Roman leader coming out and saying, this man is, is innocent. And the people who brought him forward know he's innocent. That's why they have had to trump up charges. So we're really seeing the, the, the we're seeing the, the crap storm. Can't use the other one. We're seeing that storm come together of corruption on one end and corruption on the other end. And what does corruption do to the innocent? Well, corruption does to the innocent. Well, it destroys the innocent. It destroys the guiltless. It hangs them on a cross and lets prisoners go free. So we're seeing this is what humanity does. When humanity is in control, when humanity takes authority outside of right relationship with God, humanity takes authority and they use it for their own ends. And that's what you're seeing come together with the Romans and the Jews. They have to trim up charges to an innocent man. And the Roman guy says, yeah, I see He's innocent. And what do we do? Well, we crucify him. Oh, yeah, that seems right. Seems just right. And then what are we going to do while we crucify him? Well, do we have anybody in jail who we know is guilty? Let's let them go free. Doesn't make any sense. No sense. Okay, so I remember seeing that and being like, this is wrong. And it never, ever, ever struck me that in this story, you know who Barabbas represents? Me. And you. We are the guilty who, let, who were let free by the sacrifice of the innocent. That's us. That's us. And I remember seeing that and being like, this is unjust. And then when I look at that's me, that my life was a mess. My life was full of rebellion against everything good that God had put in front of me. And what I did deserve was wrath from God. What I deserve is wrath from God. And instead he says, you go free. My son will take your place. And it is his delight to do so. Why? And the answer is hilarious. Not hilarious. It's awesome. And it's in Barabbas' name. You know what Barabbas means? So I know a lot of y'all know Aramaic, right? Bar-Abba. Have you, uh, where in the New Testament would you see that word, Abba? Daddy. You know what Bar means? Son of Daddy. Son of the Father. This is Barabbas. So Jesus is crucified. Jesus is crucified so that the Son of God might take on the wrath of God so that humanity and those who believe might become sons of God. The, first, the firstborn among many sons. And not just sons of the Father, but sons of Abba. A Father who is rich in love and mercy and grace. Jesus goes to this cross and he does it willingly because what God is so set on doing 
is bringing humanity and bringing those who want to back into this loving, beautiful, right relationship where they take part in the physical realm so they might receive and partake in sacred love and then bring life back and do what they originally intended to do. But the only way they can do that is if they are rebuilt and they are healed inside of inside of this environment of love from a father who says you are forgiven and even when you make mistakes along the way you're forgiven we have made a way for everything that you have done to not be counted against you and everything that you will do on your way to being glorified and on your way to being in the image of Jesus and on your way to being uh, vice regents once again, you're going to fail and stumble and, and make mistakes, but we've made a way to where none of that can be held against you because Jesus has willingly accepted it. He's clothed you in his life, and all you need to do is believe to accept that, and you become sons of Abba. You become sons of the Father. This is the most wildly unjust thing on the planet. And for some reason, this is what God has chosen to do. The death of Jesus to make us sons. And the reason the Bible uses the word sons is because it's explicitly saying not men, but children who will receive the full inheritance. Daughters who will receive the full inheritance. Right? This is ridiculous. Ridiculous. So, like I told y'all last week, um, I think it's sort of sometimes irresponsible to take a narrative like that and then let's jump in and try to really apply it. You know what I mean? Like, how? What can you do tomorrow because of this? Uh, I think in some ways that can be irresponsible. Uh, but I think in some ways, after that, after we look at that, that I am Barabbas and I'm completely okay with that, and that's beautiful. Um, I think it's really important that we stop and think and rest in, is this the way that I still approach God? Is this the way that I come to Him? Is this the way that I wake up in the morning and I sit down and I say, I'm clean and you are good with me because of the work of Jesus and not because I do my quiet time really good and not because I uh, go on mission trips and you like that sort of thing and not because I evangelize to my friends or, or we don't approach and say, you actually are, you're mad at me right now because I haven't evangelized and I haven't done my quiet time really good and all or whatever. Because my fear is and my certainty is that you are being lied to constantly constantly. You're being lied to about who God is and who you are. You're being lied to about what God feels about you. You're being told that God wants you to do all of these things to get right with him. And what scripture is saying over and over, stop, rest. It's been taken care of. He's brought you into his family. He wants to heal you and he wants to send you out on a mission that will be fruitful and life-giving to everyone around you. And if we step out of that for a moment, it feels like the heaviest burden in the world because you cannot please him outside of the work of Jesus on the cross. There's no pleasing him outside of there. There's none. None. And he doesn't even want you to try. I want you to stop and let go of all the reasons you think he's mad at you and let go of all the reasons why you think he loves you that are other than Jesus. Because there is only, that's the only place where life will be found. That's it. 
Those are the things we need to constantly pull back into because you're being told the opposite all day and in every way.